Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. In this this series, um, what we're trying to do is empower you individually and us as a church body to see ourselves as the creative and transformative agents in this world, in your world and in the world around you. Um, God is a creator, amen? God is a creator and he has, the Bible says that he created us in his likeness, in his image. And so how many know if you're created like something, you're gonna be like something, right? And if he is a creator, we are by nature going to be creative. And so what I believe in this room, there is creative solutions to the problems that you face and the problems the world faces all around you. Of course, the Holy Spirit helps us um, process and develop these ideas, but he's a God who gives us those creative solutions. I wonder what it is in your life today, though. What is the one problem you're facing that if God broke in and gave you a creative solution for it would change your whole world? Amen? I, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but what is the one problem that if God gave you the answer for, the breakthrough for, um, w- would change your life? I'll do a quick review since last week was Father's Day and we didn't really... Um, camp on, uh, we didn't do the series last week. The first um, message we did in the series was called Empowered by Love. And in that message, I just talked about um, that in order for us to be the transformative agents here in this world, um, we have to be, we have to encounter God's grace to be the transformative agents. Um, Simply knowing the list of do's and don'ts will not change the world around us. It won't change you and it won't change the world around you. We need an encounter with the grace of God, the transformative grace of God to do that. Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 14, it says this, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Okay, so listen, the law of Moses uh, we'll, we'll show you what, we'll say, this is right, this is wrong. But it's the grace of God that gives you the power to actually walk in his will, to walk in and live the Christian life, amen? And so this was kind of the punchline of that message, part one. Uh, Christianity is not about behavior modification. Christianity is about transformation. I'll say it one more time. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's about transformation. You don't come to God you know, I'm going to try to, you know, clean myself up and change myself. And that's Christianity, you know, obeying all the rules, you know, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. Um, that is not Christianity. Christianity is coming to God and letting him transform your heart. And how many know when God transforms your heart, your behavior will naturally change after that. So it's from the inside out, not from the outside in. Amen? So um, that was part one. Part two, um, we did a message called Co-Labors with God. The Bible says that we are co-laborers with him. We work together with him in this world. And uh, that was two weeks ago. Um, The Bible also says that we are co-heirs with Christ. We're co-inheritors with Christ. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. And then I think next week or the week after that, um, the Bible also says that we will reign with Christ. So I want to talk about um, co-reigning with Christ in a couple weeks. And uh, so this week I want to talk about uh, being co-heirs with Christ, co-inheritors with Christ. The title of my message is called the, the Inheritance. God has an inheritance for you. God has an inheritance for you. God has an inheritance for those 
who believe in him. How many, how many Christians, how many believers do we have in this place today? If you don't raise your hand, you're not a Christian. You can't t- and you can't take what I'm about to say here. <laughs> if you are a believer, you're a Christian, there is an inheritance that God has for you. There is an inheritance. And I'm convinced that most believers don't know half of what God wants to do in them and half of what God wants to do through them. I, th- I don't even know probably everything that God wants to do in me and through me. I'd like to think I know half of what he wants to do in me and through me. Maybe not. Most believers, I don't think they know the half of what God can and wants to do in them and through them in the world around them. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear heard the things that God has planned for those who love him, who are following him. Amen. And it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. And so uh, religion... um, which basically religion is man's obligation before God. And, and that's, we kind of pick on the word religion around here. And if, if you've never heard us do that, um, religion tends to do this. Religion tends to do a good job of making, boiling down Christianity to um, a list of disciplines, right? Christianity is not boiled down to a list of disciplines. Listen, the disciplines are important. Reading your Bible, praying, tithing, going to church. Those disciplines, you know, being in community, those disciplines are important, and even sometimes the disciplines can be mundane, but God has so much more for all of us. Christianity, when you boil it down to the end of the day, is not about disciplines. <clears throat> I've said this before, but one of the reasons that we planted this church, actually, I guess the reason, um, is because we want Jesus to get what he paid for. We want Jesus to get what he paid for. In fact, that was kind of a mantra of mine when I was, you know, hiking to raise money for this church. I'm like, Jesus, I want you to get what you paid for. Yeah, man. And Jesus paid for the redemption of every human being. He played, paid the redemption for every human being. In the, uh, in the 1700s, there was a prayer movement in um, Hernhut, Germany, and they were called the Moravians. There was a prayer meeting that lasted 24-7 for 100 years. And these people pick, took shifts and, and they, they filled the calendar up and prayed 24 hours a day and the prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. And out of this prayer movement was birthed a, um, a move of God where missionaries, people were raised up in this movement, became missionaries and went all over the world. And some of these missionaries, in order to reach slaves and slave owners, actually sold themselves into slavery to reach slaves. And as they're, you know, young men or whatever going, sold themselves into slavery, and as they're saying, waving goodbye to their families for the last time, because they're about to get on a ship and go somewhere to serve as a slave so they can reach slaves, the, this is what they would say, this was their mantra. They would say this, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. So we want Jesus to get what he paid for. Amen. He received, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That's one of the reasons why we started this church. We want Jesus to get what he paid for here in Greeley. This is one of the reasons why we're doing this. Another reason why we started this church is because we want you to get what Jesus paid for. Okay. We want you to get what Jesus paid for as well. Jesus wrote a check that I don't think any of us have fully cashed. 
He wrote a check. I don't believe any of us are fully cashed. Another thing that religion tries to do and does is it basically takes every promise of God and everything that we're supposed to inherit and it pushes it off into um, eternity, into heaven. Now, thank God for everlasting life. Thank God for, for eternity where Jesus will right every wrong and everything will be fixed. But some of God's promises, many of God's promises, so many that we don't even know about, are for here and for now. Religion pushes those off like to the great by and by. Right? Oh, you know, the great by and by, we'll have those promises. Listen, much of what God has for you is here and now and for today. And so um, I want to talk about what we inherit today. All right, so what do we inherit? Point number one, and I think this is probably the only point I'll get through. It's my longest point. What do we inherit? What does this look like? We inherit sonship and daughtership. I typed in daughtership on my computer and my spell check was like, that's not a word. I'm like, how come sonship's a word then? But daughtership's not? What's up with that? So I added it to my dictionary for you ladies. It's an ad. Daughtership's a word, okay? <laughs> we inherit sonship and daughtership. It's for you ladies. By the way, ladies, anytime you're reading a scripture and it talks about something for the sons or sons of God or whatever, that's talking about you too, okay? So... Uh, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. You know, we're all, we're all one in Christ. So, amen. All right, so we inherit sonship, daughtership. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, it says this. The true light, speaking of Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world, did, um, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, uh, or of a husband's will, but born of God. All right? When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, God says you have the right to be a child. You have the right to be children, not just followers. I mean, come on. That is so cool. We are children of the Most High God. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus, you have the right. It's, it's your right, and it's part of your inheritance to be a child of God. And listen, it wasn't just important for God to give us that title. It was actually important to God that we would understand that title as a child, as a son, as a daughter. God, God actually wants you and I to be able to approach him boldly, to have confidence, approach the, the throne of grace boldly. To have confidence on the day of judgment. Like on the day when God judges all things, we actually stand in confidence, knowing what Jesus did for us. Come on. God actually wants that for us. So it was important to God that not just we have that title, but we understood that title. All right, Romans chapter, this is, we'll, we'll uh, chew on this a little bit. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 16, it says this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, speaking of God, the spirit, Holy Spirit, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, so when you became a believer, you invited Jesus into your heart, God gave you the Holy Spirit. And it's by this Holy Spirit that we are connected to the Godhead. We are connected to the Father. But his spirit and my spirit actually co-testify that I'm a child, that I'm a son. 
his spirit and my spirit together testify to me that I'm a son of God. And how many know that's really important? Like, because life's hard. Especially when life's hard. Remembering that you're a child of God. You're going through something. Remembering that you're a child of God. Or when you mess up or stumble or along the way. Remembering that you're a child of God. It's not based upon your performance. Okay, that's important. Your spirit and God's spirit testify together. They co-testify that you are a child of God. The Greek word for adoption to sonship in this passage, Romans 8, um, 8.15, it means this. Adoption to sonship is the term referring to the, uh, the full legal standing of adoption of a male in uh, Roman culture. Okay, again, ladies, don't worry about the male thing. It's for all of us, right? Full legal standing of an adopted male or of an adopt, adopted person is what we have before God. It says we've been given this when we come to God. We have full legal rights, full access to the Father. Amen? So all of us have full legal standing as an heir, as an as a inheritor before God. And we have, if we have full legal adoption, full legitimacy, and full rights, what does that mean? What does that look like? Okay, Paul goes on, eight, Romans eight seventeen. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. That last sentence, I might touch on that next week. But it says here, we are co-heirs with Christ. Like we inherit what Jesus inherits. We inherit what Jesus. You know, so much of religion. You can, okay, you cannot magnify and glorify and lift God high enough. Like you can't give Him enough praise. He's worthy of your praise. You can't. You can't do that enough. But something that another thing religion does is it tries to make you low. Now, coming low before God and being humble is fine. But religion actually tries to stomp you down, so you're good for nothing. Listen, I. <laughs> God actually wants to elevate us too. He wants to elevate us. Co-heirs with Christ. We're sons and daughters and we're co-inheritors with Jesus. Come on, guys. I'm a, what I'm afraid of in this sermon, is, and I don't think I could possibly, even if I communicate really good from here on out, I can't possibly do full justice to what I just read. I can't possibly do it. And I think it'll take all of eternity for this to unfold, for us to see what this actually means. It's so good. We're co-inheritors with Jesus. But if you catch a glimpse of this today, I think it'll set your life on fire. Okay, so before we um, get into what else we inherit, I want to paint a little bit more of a picture of what it looks like to be a son, to be a daughter of God. What does it look like? Let's talk about sonship and daughtership. So I'm going to ask a question. It's kind of meant to provoke a little thought, but this is a question. Is Jesus the only begotten Son of the Father? I heard yes. It is in the Bible. It does say that. The only begotten of the Father. Let me answer it this way. And before you run out of this room calling me a heretic, I'll answer this way. Yes, he is, and no. Yes, he's the only begotten of the Father, and no. Okay? Now, don't run out of here calling Pastor Kurt a heretic. Hand me the creeds and all that kind of stuff. Let me explain. In the sense that Jesus was and is the only person to, who was God to become man and dwell among us. In that sense, he's the only begotten of the Father, okay? Jesus has always been God. He never became God. 
But then that day came when Jesus became flesh, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? Um, there's a, a prophecy about this in Psalm um, chapter 2, verse 7. It's a prophecy about Jesus. It says, I will proclaim, proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So there was a, there was a day when, when Jesus, who has always been God, became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? In that sense, Jesus was and will only ever be the only person to become who was God to become flesh, okay? So in that sense, yes, he's the only begotten of the Father. In fact, I'll show you a Bible verse where it says this. Um, maybe you've heard of it. It's John 3.16. Somewhat, somewhat of a famous verse. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, the, the word there, um, only begotten, uh, monogenius. Okay, it's from two words, means one and only, and of offspring, okay? And so, and yeah, simply means one and only one of its kind, okay? This Greek word was used of Jesus um, in the Gospels and one other time in the New Testament. And um, it's also used elsewhere where people are talking about, that, you know, they're, they're, my one and only child is sick. Can you come heal him, Lord? You know, so in the Gospels and the New Testament, it's used in a few other places, <clears throat> speaking of Jesus, and a few other um, instances where it's talking about an only child. But after, this is interesting to me, after the Gospels, there actually became a more dominant phrase that the Apostle Paul and, and the Apostle John used in their epistles, became more of a dominant phrase. This word that we just spoke of, um, monogesis, that word is only used one other time talking about Jesus outside of the Gospels, okay? So in the Gospels, the phrase only begotten is used a lot. After Jesus' resurrection, ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the phrase first begotten or firstborn became more dominant of a phrase talking about Jesus, Okay, before, only begotten. After the resurrection, it, start, it said he's the first begotten. Okay, the firstborn of creation. I'll give, let me give you a couple, I'll give you two examples. I'll give you one that Paul used and one that John used. So we'll, we'll do Paul first. Romans chapter 8, 28 through 29, it says this. And we know that in all things God works for uh, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those uh, God foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, we, Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters that are here today, okay? We're part of, we're part of a family, we're adopted into a family. He was the firstborn among us. He, um, and, and, and in many senses, Jesus, in that regard, is like our elder brother, He's like our older brother looking out for us, right? He was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Let me, let me read, uh, uh, now let's look at John. John, um, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says this, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay? The firstborn. He wasn't just the only born. He is the firstborn. Okay? Now, remember, again, only one who was ever God who became man. Obviously, in that sense, he stands alone and there's none beside him, right? But in the sense that he came to this earth, 
He didn't just come, you know, it, it, a seed must go to the ground and die for it to become more seeds, right? Jesus came and he was buried and that seed has sprung up and has produced life all over this world in you and me and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're co-inheritors with Jesus. It's good stuff. I'll say it like this. I've said this before. I don't remember who coined this, but I really like this. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could be the sons of God. Okay, let me say that again. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could be the sons of God. And of course, ladies, you can hear, I'll read it for the ladies now. The son of God became the son of man so that the, son, the daughters of women could be the, the daughters of God. Okay, there you go. It's for all of us. So sonship, sonship is a huge part of our inheritance. Jesus is the firstborn among creation. So in that regard, yes, he's the only begotten. So I'm not a heretic. Okay, I, I do believe that. God became flesh. Okay, but in the other sense, we are co-inheritors with Jesus. Is that a good revelation? Come on. Okay, good. All right, what else do we inherit? We've got a couple more points here. Um, we also inherit salvation. Okay, these next two points will be a little bit shorter. We inherit salvation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Okay, we inherit salvation and, and angels are ministering spirits who serve us. The writer says that salvation is inheritance towards the believer. Now, I just want to highlight the word salvation here. It's um, the Greek word sozo. I've said this before, but the word sozo um, actually implies body, soul, and spirit. It's saved, healed, and delivered. So body, soul, and spirit is all implied in that word. And so I'll say it like this. And you've heard people say this before. Your spirit, when you come to Jesus, your spirit is saved, like perfected forever. No room for improvement. Now and in eternity, your spirit is saved when you come to faith in Jesus. It's renewed, regenerated in him. Your soul, your mind, your will and emotions are being saved, right? You know, you're in a process, right? And there, and there will come a day when there will be no room for improvement in your mind, will, and emotions as well, okay? And your body, so that's your spirit, your soul, and your body also will be saved. And of course, we believe in physical healing here and now. We believe that's part of the kingdom. But there come, will come a day when there will be no opportunity in your body for improvement, right? Saved, healed, and delivered. That's where it says, we inherit all that. That's part of our inheritance. Salvation isn't just like I pray a prayer and go to heaven someday and receive us. Salvation is body, soul, and spirit, both here and perfection in eternity. Amen? Okay. So, um, so we inherit salvation. What else do we inherit? Number, point number three, we also inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the kingdom. James chapter two, verse five, it says this. Listen, dear brothers and sisters, has, God, um, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of, this, of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom, he, the kingdom he promised to those who love him. Okay, so let me read that again because I stumbled there a little bit. Listen, dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Okay, so we inherit the kingdom. Now that opens up, we could probably do eight-week series on the kingdom of God itself. That opens up a lot of things, actually. 
Um, I, will, I will try to hone in on a few, but I want to say this is for here and now. Because Rome, look at this, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not an external matter. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When the kingdom of God comes and it manifests, we understand righteousness. We understand who we are. It produces peace in our hearts, produces peace in our world. And the overflow of that is joy in ourselves and the world around us. That is the kingdom in operation in our lives. And actually, Jesus said, pray in this way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our mandate and our job is to release God's kingdom here on earth. What does that look like? It's righteousness. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. It's good stuff. That's a good inheritance right there. And so the kingdom of heaven is not only in the afterlife. It's here and it's now as well. It's for you today. It's not a matter of external like eating and drinking, but it's in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So we can inherit these things now. We can have an understanding of our right standing and our right relationship to God. That's righteousness, right? We have right standing, right relationship with God. That's part of your inheritance. Peace with God. Peace in your, in your world. That's part of your inheritance. Man, if you don't have peace today, I, just, I just want to proclaim over you, this is part of your inheritance. You need to receive that. Amen? If you don't have joy in your life, I, man, that's your inheritance. That's not like something you can wish for. Like say, that is my inheritance. That's mine. God says that's mine. You can inherit that today. So who needs some peace? Who needs some joy? Come on. I know there are times when I need peace, need joy, because I don't feel it 24-7, but it belongs to you. Amen? So good. Cool. <clears throat> I think I'm going to do part two on this next week. <laughs> There's a few things that I, just for time's sake, I'm not able to squeeze in here. Um, and I really, it honestly gets better than this. And so... <laughs> If you can imagine that, it gets better than this. So I'll pray for you guys and then, and then we'll close the service here. <clears throat> Why don't you guys stand to your feet? Take that. So let's start here. Take it out of the take it out of the doors with you. All right, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for everything um, you've done today. Holy Spirit, thank you for wrecking our service and not just making this uh, a routine, Lord God. Thank you for wanting to be here. God, I love uh, the picture that Howard gave of the Holy Spirit in the corner in the fetal position, wanting to help. He actually wants to help. He wants to help. So Holy Spirit, we give you room so you can help. God, help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. You are God. Work in our lives, Lord God. I pray for anyone here, God, who needs to receive 
the revelation of sonship, of daughtership, Lord God. I just release that, God, over them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you help them go beyond my words, help them understand that they are a son, that they are a daughter of the Most High God, that they are co-heirs, co-inheritors with Jesus. It's an amazing call, Lord God. We thank you, God, that that is true. And God, I just pray, Lord, that um, we would also understand righteousness, Lord. We would understand that relationship, but we would have peace, God, operating in our lives, Lord God. And the overflow would be joy in our lives, Lord Jesus. We inherit the kingdom, Lord. We inherit salvation. We inherit what Jesus inherits. He's the firstborn among creation. He's the first begotten of the Father. So, Father, I thank you for every son, every daughter in this room, Lord God. We would go from this place knowing who we are in Christ Jesus, knowing, God, that you didn't just feel obligated to come save us, Lord God. You actually long for a deep, intimate, intimate and personal relationship with each of us, and you care about our lives. You care deeply about each of our lives, Lord God. And I just thank you, God. You're moving on our behalf. You're moving in this place, Lord God. And we love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.